that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Tuesday to your 1450 Sports Buzz. Should be a fun show today. Uh, again, recruiting news for basketball. This is kind of like my Christmas to an extent. The next week, the next two weeks, uh, could even maybe go into May with these players that are considering Kentucky and have not yet made a decision. Every day there's new rumors. Um, my phone has been – it's been a busy day. I didn't think today was going to be that busy was hoping to get some work done on the house, but haven't been able to do that. And that's probably how it'll be the next few weeks for this 2015 class. And then uh, AAU ball's already started for 2016. So we'll have a lot of recruiting news today on the show. In the second segment, we will have Rob Doster on. And he will talk, we'll talk some college basketball. There's some interesting, interesting news about players that are leaving and staying, this and that. So... Right now, there's kind of a it's, – it's, it's very blurry on how 2015-2016 college basketball season will look because there's still so many players out there that we don't know if they will stay or go, especially at IU. Uh, there's quite a few players. So uh, we'll talk to Rob Doster about what's going on with college basketball. Uh, we're going to talk recruiting, like I mentioned. The fight video from the Kentucky uh, – Eastern Kentucky brawl at the Richmond Bar – that video the Courier-Journal obtained and released. So we'll talk a little bit about that now that we've been able to see it. We talked a lot about it on the air, about what should happen, who should do this, who should do what. Uh, now that we've, we've seen the video, we're a bit more informed. So uh, we will certainly discuss that. It should be a fun show. And then since it is spring, summer, there's not a ton going on. Uh, there is certainly a lot. Uh, we might break down the best player at each position since Calipari took over UK and Trevor that is not nearly as easy as you think it'd be to do to to break that get little game down I can imagine the point guard position might be the most heavily discussed really I thought the point guard position might be the easiest there it's tough it's tough but I mean I think one certainty would be John Wall yeah, but I mean, you can argue. I mean, how? What are our credentials now? Are we talking about how they've become a player following Kentucky? Are we talking about just no, their time at no. Kentucky? When they, were, when they were at UK, I think Brandon Knight. I'm not saying I'm not giving it the fact that he's above John Wall, but I think he has an argument in the situation in, in this case as in his one year at Kentucky over to match with John Wall. Maybe his impact well, on Kentucky in his single year. Well, here's the thing: is are we are if you do it by straight positions. It's going to, you know, it, it is tough. But if you wanted to do it in a situation where you could just maybe pick the best two guards, because John Calipari plays everybody. Eric Bledsoe is as, as much as a point guard as they come, but he played the two guard for Kentucky. So are we going to do it by what they played at UK or what they really are or what they could have played? Because I guess theoretically, you if, if – John Calipari can make John Wall and Eric Bledsoe work out. You could certainly have Brandon Knight and John Wall work out, and that would be probably better. Do you put Davis at the center where he played in college, or do you put him at a power forward? And if he's at center, is it him or DeMarcus Cousins? Well, is it him or DeMarcus Cousins <laughs> or, or Carl Anthony Towns? You, I'd take – yeah, that's, 
I'd almost want to say Cousins and, and Davis are maybe ahead of Towns, but I would accept the argument if, if you convinced me. I, I'm curious what you all are thinking. Feel free to tweet into the show at T Walker Rivals. Uh, also, you can call in 502 384 There, I do want to find out what you all think. I, I think two certainties, regardless of what position you have him at, regardless of this, whatever that, you have Anthony Davis and you have John Wall. And then outside of that, so maybe maybe we'll just build the best five that have played for John Calipari. Because well, it might be a little too tough to to pick positions and do that, and it's kind of controversial because you've had guys play multiple positions. So. If a guy can play multiple positions, then yeah. I mean, if you want to say Bledsoe for bleeps and giggles, and you can say he can play the two. I mean, if you want to put – I mean, obviously you're not going to put him at the one probably above Wall or maybe even Knight. But, yeah, if a guy is legitimately can play one, two, or three, I mean, then yeah. I mean, I think you should be able to include him in the lineup, even if he didn't maybe play a position at Kentucky. Bleeps and giggles. <laughs> well, I, I'm, do I need to tell you what the bleep is? Uh, nope. I, I think I've got that. I mean, I, thought, I mean, we've already crossed a, a you know a blow up doll line. Which, by the way, my mother was listening yesterday, and she said she thought it was one of the best segments I've ever been involved in. Well, that's saying something. You've been in a lot of segments on radio. I know, and she also said she was scared to death what I might say in terms of uh, her past history involving it. But we'll leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a something that I'll I'll write down, and maybe we'll save it for a uh, very slow summer day. Exactly. Uh, so, recruit. We're we're going to get back to this UK. John Calipari player position debate uh, here on this kind of cloudy, rained earlier Tuesday afternoon here. Did, on the did, did it rain earlier? Oh, yeah. It didn't rain it, after one thirty when I woke up. Well, it, I, I was going to say it rained up till about 1 or 2, so that would make sense. Uh, it was kind of raining all, all, all morning. This is actually a big week. I, I, I think I mentioned it yesterday, a big week here in Louisville. Uh, the soccer game on Thursday, which I'm I'm really really excited about. I've kind of and nobody else that is super is as close to me uh, that that is very close to me is as excited. Uh, I think some people might be just faking excitement, just not wanting to come off as a jerk, which you know whatever. Uh, but I'm really really excited for that match on Thursday to get out the Slugger Field. Hopefully the weather cooperates. Uh, excited about that Louisville spring game on Friday. I'm sure I'll probably be there. Uh, just to check out what's new with the cards and, and, and the quarterback situation going on with Bobby Petrino. And then, obviously, Saturday is Thunder. Not a big Thunder guy anymore going downtown and dealing with that mess, but it's still kind of a fun day to be in the city and uh, hear, at least hear the fireworks if you don't see them. So, When's last uh, Thunder big, you went to, and how many have you been to? We used to go, you know, I, Every kid would go down there as a kid, at least the majority of their childhood years. So we'd, we'd do that, and we'd get into all sorts of shenanigans. We'd buy stink bombs and throw them around people, and we were just little— You're such a juvenile. We were, we were, we were a little you-know-what, so uh, we'd do that all the time. And then the last time I went downtown to watch fireworks, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I really don't. Probably— Sophomore, freshman year, high school. Uh, we, one of my buddies, lived down at U of L, and I know my sophomore year of college, we went on their roof and watched what we could see. Uh, couldn't see much of them though. And of course, I'm saying all this and watched me be forgetting that, like I went down there a year or two ago. You, you ready to feel old? The last time I went was my senior year of high school, which was '97. Wow. 
I went to the first, I think, five Thunders, though, when they first were, when came in, uh, when they first started. I went to, like, the first four or five of them. Back in 97, they probably just still had sparklers and snakes. <laughs> well, it wasn't, it wasn't like that, Joe Dirt. Uh, but it was, uh, it, honestly, I watch it now. And I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't really, I can't hardly tell the difference. I mean, it's it's all fireworks. I mean, maybe the one's longer than the other, but to me, it's just, it's kind of tomato, tomato. It's well between year to year. I agree with you. You can't. I, it's not like one year is drastically better than the next. It, it probably just depends on how much money they're using. And I know that they were uh, funds were low there for a few years, and they had a big donating campaign, this and that. Um, I, I guess they're doing better off now, but it is still kind of cool. And, and you know, somebody in the show is about thirty minutes long, so it's thirty minutes worth of fireworks synced with music that does yeah. correlate with one another. And you know, somebody has to plan that entire thing. And man, that probably would not be a fun job. I do like the. I learned when I learned yes last year. I think it was the year before. I thought it was pretty cool that they they replaced Thunder on the military network every Fourth of July for the troops overseas. I thought that was kind of a cool thing to learn. I did not know that. That is pretty cool. Oh, that is exciting. Uh, Brun DMC tweets in and says, when you've seen one, you've seen them all. And that's true. It, it, again, in terms of the show itself, it doesn't change that much every year. But it is still cool to see in person from time to time and how loud it is. I think that's one of the cooler parts. And what percentage of people go down the Thunder for the actual – to see? unless you're taking your kids, go down there for the actual fireworks show. It's more like the – the atmosphere, the the be able to party, kind of the the type of way to be able to kind of you know get an excuse to get drunk and be outside and hang out and do an outdoor all day event, and the fireworks is just kind of like icing on the cake for some people that do that. Yeah, I, that's you know I guess me and my friends we don't really need an excuse to go down and <laughs> and drink and do well, all that stuff. You're, you're but, getting older, TJ. You're getting to that age where you realize I don't have to go down there to get drunk. I'll just stay in my living room. That's for the uh, eighteen to twenty three year olds. Uh, good. Well, good. That's not, exciting. Not that I, uh, you know, advocate underage drinking or anything. Before we get to the basketball recruiting news, which we're going to talk a lot about today, uh, did you see that Kevin Sumlin and and Charlie Strong want to get the Texas Texas A and M game back together? I have not seen that article, but I think it is a great idea just from what you just said. I don't know who even posted it. I saw it this morning when I was kind of getting up and, and getting my day started. Uh, but supposedly both coaches said that they would be down to do it and get it started again. And that was my least favorite thing about all the realignment talk was people complaining and whining that we were going to lose all these great rivalry games. And is it really worth it? Which, you know, it, it would be nice if Texas and Texas a and play together. But how many people, how often, Trevor, when you're watching college basketball, do you say to yourself, man, I wish I could see Kansas and Missouri play one another? <laughs> you don't. You don't. I don't I, honestly, and I, when I think of Kansas, I know it's 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 probably dumb to say, but I think Kansas, Kansas State, as much as I, and I know it's not as big as Kansas and Missouri, but I don't know, some reason for someone who lives outside the state, that just seems like it would be a bigger rivalry, but I know it's not. Just nobody nobody really cares. When you're watching Alabama play Texas A&M, and they've played every year since A&M's been in the league, and, and a lot of those games have been really, really fun to watch. During those games, are you thinking, but Texas, Texas A&M would be really, really fun? No, and that's true. It would be. It would be fun if, if Texas A&M and Texas played each other. It would be fun if Kansas and Missouri played each other in basketball. But that was the thing that made me so mad back then, and, it, and it's true now, is you forget about it. You don't really care that much about it because it's not like they're playing uh, Division II schools in their place. They're still playing an SEC schedule, Missouri basketball, which isn't great, but Kansas basketball playing the Big 12 and Texas in the Big 
in the Big 12 and Texas A&M now in the SEC. You just you don't really worry about those rivalries anymore. But you got to look to, to the eyes of them, TJ. What if, what if Louisville, Kentucky, it dropped were, were to drop back? I know you don't probably care much about the football rivalry, but what if they were to drop the basketball rivalry? I mean, that's but, kind of the same but, feeling the Kansas and Missouri fans go through, or A and M and even Texas fans go through. It's it, it's different because it you know we we they're not in the same conference. Still, but the rivalry. I mean, if they still drop the yearly game, though, I mean, you Kentucky fans. I, don't, I mean, I would think, even though they've dominated the last eight meetings, I mean, would still be unhappy about it. And Louisville fans, even though they've been dominated the last eight meetings, I know would be unhappy about it. I would be as a fan. Brundy MC's kind of piggybacking off your point and saying, as someone that lives in Texas, it's definitely a bigger deal than you realize. Well, isn't everything bigger in Texas, Brundy MC? And, and I got a question, Brundy MC. And this may sound ignorant, but. Texas Texas has so many big schools, and Texas is obviously hated by every one of them. Is A and M number two in the pecking order of their biggest the, the biggest rival number or number one to Texas? I guess is it not, or Texas Tech? Do they not have a beef? What about uh, I don't mean Rice, Houston? I mean SMU. There's so many schools in Texas with with long histories. Is is it A and M the number one rival in that state with so many different options? Say Oklahoma would be the number one rival. Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. I mean, with the Red River Shootout, I mean they don't end that. Well, he tweets in right after that Texas Oklahoma weekend is huge here, regardless of how good each team is, and and that's similar to Kentucky, Louisville basketball and football. I guess it's still a big weekend in the state. Whether or not anybody else cares about it is a different story. But UK UVL basketball, even if one team's having a bit of a down year, it's still. A spectacle. It's still fun. It's still a huge deal. Uh, so I'm not saying the Texas Texas A&M isn't a huge deal and wouldn't be watched if they played again. I would certainly watch. I'd, it'd be it'd probably be the circled game on the schedule. I'm just saying you don't really miss it that much when it's gone. You, I I didn't spend last season during fall Saturdays wondering where that game was and and how much I'm going to hurt not not watching it. So. I hope they play. It'd be cool if they can work it out. But I just remember that was all the talk. What are some of the other big rivalries, Trevor? That was bro that that w- were forced to maybe put on uh, play. West Virginia Pittsburgh comes to mind. That's that's a good one. And again, the backyard brawl. I believe Everybody it's called loves the backyard brawl because actually somebody could get murdered in the stands. So that makes it a little more excitement and watching that rivalry. Uh, but again, do you sit on Saturdays wondering, well, man, I could really go for the backyard brawl this weekend? No, the only memory I have really of the backyard brawl is the West Virginia perfect season ended by Pittsburgh the one year that they had a shot at national championship. I, I, that's the only real memory I have of the backyard brawl. I'm sure Pittsburgh and West Virginia fans would speak differently, but it, it's funny that Texas or not Texas. I was reading one of Brun DMC's tweets, but uh, and, and he said that Baylor Texas game Baylor. is is as big as TCU versus Texas Tech. Um, so we'd be kind of just breaking yeah, down. See, I didn't even mention TCU and Baylor. That's how many damn schools are in Texas that are you know upper echelon in some way. There are, but but going back to West Virginia, uh, Pittsburgh. It's funny that Pittsburgh is a town that is. is it kind of reminds me a bit of Louisville, where there's probably more Louisville fans, but there's a huge Kentucky presence in Louisville. Same with Pittsburgh. There's more Pittsburgh fans, but there are a lot of West Virginia fans too. There's probably more UK fans in Louisville than West Virginia fans in Pittsburgh, but it's not that far. Morgantown's not far from Pittsburgh whatsoever. So it, I think that would probably be the best comparison in terms of. 
you know, how they're doing since then. And again, I've got a good friend that lives in, in Pittsburgh, big Pittsburgh fan, and he just doesn't really seem to care. And also Pittsburgh football hasn't been all that great. It's a pro town too, opposed to Louisville. That's the other thing. Is it, and it's funny that there is this big rivalry in that city, but you don't really hear much about it because there's pro sports that just dominate the market, uh, which is interesting. And, and speaking of pro sports, I, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to get into this as much today. Might save it for Wednesday for the match day for Louisville City FC. Uh, but did, I'm sure you saw the the, the report that out of grading zero to a hundred, a hundred being it would work, anything less than a hundred being it could work. Uh, pro soccer in Louisville, MLS was a hundred. Do you see that, Trevor? I didn't, but that I want to say it surprises me. I, Louisville's had success throughout my lifetime with with minor league soccer teams, and and I, I'm surprised that they haven't lasted longer than they have. I think soccer, but I wouldn't mind seeing a pro soccer team in here, MLS. I mean, Columbus has one. Why can't we? I, I, I agree. I think it could work. Uh, I think it'd be fun. Um, I think on that same article, NBA in Louisville scored around maybe uh, 76 or something. It was kind of middle of the pack where, yeah, it could work. Maybe we're not sure. If the NBA in Louisville is like legalizing weed to me, I just never think I'll see it happen in my lifetime. Yeah, I, the more and more it goes, the the probably the less optimistic I become. Uh, but I, there's no doubt in my mind it'd work, and I think it'd be certainly a lot of fun uh, if it were to happen. Oh, we'll see. Uh, but but that's some of the newsy new, the Louisville FC stuff. That's that's a bit older. I'm just not getting around to. But the Kevin the, the Texas Texas A and M stuff. That's some of the bigger news. Uh, we're going to talk more about some of the other big headlines that have come out today. But a lot of those have to do with college basketball, including Bobby Portis leaving Arkansas for the NBA. That's are you surprised at that? Am I surprised? I don't know. I, I mean, he's a I, I top I, twenty pick, probably with the, the a big man with guard somewhat abilities. I'm not sure. I guess, I, I guess I'm not surprised, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if he was going to stay or go. And, and I, you know, I thought it was probably likely he left. So I'm not surprised by it. Uh, but it wouldn't also have surprised me if he decided to stay. And had he decided to stay, uh, the SEC would have been tough next year. It, it you know that now Arkansas I think is just going to be kind of a middle of the pack team. If you if he's there, I think Arkansas is probably a top fifteen team, uh, and another tough tough matchup. It's another tough game for Kentucky and the SEC. Now it might just be LSU in UK. Um, Arkansas again, I'm not sure. But we're going to talk college basketball, and we'll preview next season a little bit. Talk about the end of last season. I know Kentucky fans won't want to uh, hear about that, so we might not spend too much time, but. Uh, Rob Doster will be on after the break here on 1450 The Sports Buzz, so stick around. Do you want to ride in the backseat of a cadet? Chop it up or do it die? Do you want to ride in the backseat of a cadet? Chop it up or do it, it die? Was seven double L P M Flying love to them house in the P.M. Sipping C-Grim. Chewing on the weed stem. Touching on my phone. going on oh uh i just thought maybe i could crash here tonight that's all right marissa's going through some 
some personal stuff. And personal stuff like you uh, running through the neighborhood drunk and naked? That and, and uh, some other stuff. Welcome back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. Glad to have that Allen Electric plug in now because uh, they're great people, and if you need an electrician in Louisville, they're, they're your guys to call. Uh, the guy that we call when we want to talk some college basketball is Rob Doster of NBC Sports. Rob, how you doing? I am doing good. I'm doing good. Just finishing up the old taxes, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is, uh, that's tomorrow, right? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. I had all to do- my hard-earned money disappeared. Oh, I, I hear you. I had to do all that fun stuff and pay for it way back in February because I was in the process of buying a house. Uh, so I, I'm kind of relieved that I don't have to worry about it right now, as many of Americans, including you and my boss, Brett Dawson, and I'm sure a lot of listeners, are dealing with all that stuff. But I want to thank you for taking the time and talking with us and, and taking a little break from the taxes. We didn't talk to you last week. Um, I'm not sure a lot of Kentucky fans would have wanted to talk all that much college basketball anyways. Um, what'd you make with the end of the season, the final four, Duke ultimately cutting down the nets? Oh, you know, I thought the final four was fantastic. I think that Indianapolis is the perfect place to have it. Um, I think that we couldn't have asked for a better group of fans or, you know, a better, for it to play out any better. I know Kentucky fans don't want to hear that, but as an unbiased observer, you know, we got three pretty fantastic basketball games and I don't really think you can ask for anything else out of it uh you know I, I personally I would love to see Kentucky win it you know I, I'm I'm a guy that wants to see greatness realized uh but you know we got Wisconsin Duke for a national title game and I really don't think that you know rewind to December when those two teams played and remember how everyone was like oh I would love to see uh this rematch in the NCAA tournament. Hey, you know what? We ended up getting it. So we, we didn't get Kentucky Duke, which is what I know everybody wanted, but you know, we did get uh, a, a pretty good national title game uh, between two really, really good teams. And, you know, I don't think we could have asked for all that much more. And it was an exciting game. It was uh, Wisconsin had a big lead at one point. Duke made a furious comeback and it, uh, also had some controversial calls. It had all the makings of a fun basketball game. And, and you mentioned Indianapolis and hosting the Final Four. It seems like whenever Indy hosts an event, people fall in love with it, whether it's the Final Four, uh, the Super Bowl a few years ago uh, was, a, was a big success. Greg Doyle of the, uh, of the Indy Star, and we're all familiar with Greg and, and the character that he is, he suggests that the Final Four should be in Indy every year. Do you w- Would you be okay with that, Rob? I mean, I... I wouldn't complain about it. I do like visiting other cities. Um, the one thing I'll say is that the the Final Fours in Texas are just brutal. Everything is so spread out. It's impossible to get, to get from uh, point A to point B. You know, the one in Arlington, it was miserable getting from where we were staying in the hotels all the way out to, to Cowboy Stadium. You had to leave about four hours early to get to the, 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 the stadium all time. Um, just between the traffic and how far you had to drive and everything. It was, there was no downtown pocket that made you feel like it was actually a final four. And that's, what's great about Indianapolis. It just, the whole environment just feels like, you know, it, it feels like there's a big event there. When we were in Dallas, it didn't feel like it. When we were in Houston, it didn't feel like it. And you know, those, that's, that's my big complaint about it. Um, I really like the one in new Orleans too. 
I think New Orleans is a pretty good, uh, pretty good Final Four city. Um, the only problem with that is that you know it's New Orleans, and that has its own risks involved. <laughs> well, I don't. This is kind of. I guess I'm used to listening to you on Trevor's show, but we're agreeing a little too much today. I don't know what to make with it. I would be okay with a Indianapolis, New Orleans, and Atlanta Final Four rotation. Those three cities. Uh, and just every other year, you go somewhere else. Just, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so Atlanta's cool. not bad. I, I don't. Uh, I don't have any qualms with Atlanta. Atlanta's a little spread out, but what makes a good Final Four, and you kind of touched on it there with Indianapolis, is, is it's got to be within driving distance of a lot of really good basketball programs. And if you if you have teams that are going to the Final Four in in Dallas or even Houston. People aren't going to want to drive that that far. Indianapolis is kind of in the middle of a lot of good basketball programs. Same New Orleans, a little bit, I guess, maybe further out of the way, but it's still New Orleans. Everybody loves any chance to have an excuse to go there. Atlanta, you've got the North Carolina schools right there. Kentucky, not far away. Louisville, not far away. It needs to be accessible, and I think that's kind of what you touched on there with with Dallas to an extent. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, and it's not just being able to drive there it's being able to to get around and not have to worry about you know taking a cab everywhere or trying to get a shuttle from the hotel everywhere being able to just decide you want to walk somewhere and you know being able to go and walk from your hotel to the arena where the the game's being held or being able to walk from where you are to a place to go get something to eat and that was the biggest problem with houston and, and dallas you cannot function in those two cities without having a car you know, you don't need to have a car to live in downtown Indianapolis to get around. You know, it, it's it's not like that when you're in Dallas and Houston, and that's what makes them so good for these big events because you don't need to rely on being able to, you know, call an Uber every time you need to get somewhere. Yeah, it's the I think they've got them all booked up now to 2020 or 2021, and I'm not thrilled with where they're going. I I know they're Houston next year and going, uh, I think, Indianapolis to end it. I think one trip in Atlanta, so I'm okay with those, but it's kind of, it's just, I don't know. I, it, you've got some good spots, and I think they need to, to, to keep them in those good spots. That being said, Kentucky loses seven players to the NBA draft. Were you surprised with all seven leaving? Did you think some of them were going to stay? Uh, what would you make of the decision of pretty much everybody that could have left deciding to go on and, and test their luck in the NBA? It's it's pretty much what I thought was going to happen. Um, the only person that was really up in the air, I think, at the end was Dakari Johnson, and uh, and you know, I mean, he ended up going. I think that it was probably the right decision for him, just because you can only keep underwhelming at the college level for so long before you know that kind of your ceiling kind of gets to a point where you're like, all right, well, he's just not going to be getting any better. So I I, I don't know if Dakari Johnson is going to be a guy that's ever going to play much in the NBA, but I think if he's going to have a chance to really make some money in the NBA now is the right time for him to leave. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Kentucky next season because, you know, as I'm sure you're well aware, they uh, they get a lot of people added, you know, in this, this late April, early May period. So it's going to be fun to see who they actually kind of get onto campus. This 2015 recruiting class is so weird to me, man. Like, we have so many kids that are trying to decide whether or not they're going to actually go on to the NBA, at, or I'm sorry, go on to professional leagues overseas after this. They're going to be playing in college. Where they're going to be playing in college. I, I can't remember a year 
where there was this much uncertainty with who was going to end up being where uh, this late in the season. And, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it made it really hard to fill out that, uh, that preseason top 25. We used to make like 19 different assumptions on where kids are going to end up. And probably all of those are going to end up being wrong. And, well, that's the way it works. And we were talking with Rob Doster, NBC Sports. And also a lot of decisions from other guys and other schools besides Kentucky on whether or not to stay or go. Uh, some notable names, Stanley Johnson, Tyus Jones, Justice Winslow, D'Angelo Russell. Still have Alex Poitras at Kentucky, but expect him to come back. Uh, Yogi Ferrell, James Blackman Jr. What are what, What's the biggest surprise for you on just any guy, whether it was he decided to go, he decided to stay, uh, Bobby Portis decided to leave today. That wasn't, again, a huge surprise. Uh, but what was kind of the biggest surprise in, in any decision that you've heard so far when it comes to a guy staying or going? You know, to be totally honest with you, there really hasn't been a guy where I was like, oh, wow, he's going pro, and there's another, or someone that's like, oh, wow, he's going to stay. Um, maybe the biggest surprise, let's phrase it like this the guy that I think is making the biggest mistake. So far, is probably Brandon Ashley. I'm not sure if he's going to end up being a first-round pick, but I can also understand why he's going pro. You know, with Ryan Anderson coming in and, and Caleb Tarzewski coming back and Yusan Ristich on the bench and, you know, all the, the, the rest of that freshman class that Arizona has coming in, you know, I, I think that he could kind of see another overloaded front court. And if he's going to kind of, like, same thing with the car, if he's going to kind of capitalize on, that opportunity that he has to make money on himself and on his potential. I think that this probably was the right time for him to go. You know, I think the biggest names that are, that have stayed and that are leaving are guys that we kind of expected. Like, you know, Justin Anderson is gone and I guess he was kind of 50, 50, but based on everything that happened with him and the fact that, you know, he got hurt and he wasn't shooting as well down the stretch. I think that he probably made the right decision. Uh, someone like Olivier Hanlon, you know, he's going pro. I'm not sure he's going to be a first-round pick. I'm not even sure he's going to get kicked. But if you have to go back and play for Boston College for another season, doesn't make $100,000 play overseas sound a little bit more uh, enticing, if you will. Um, the two guys, the two mid-major guys were a little bit surprising to me that, that ended up going pro um, in, uh, in, in Cameron Payne. And the kid from uh, Eastern Washington, I'm blanking on his name, Tyler Harvey. Um, those are two guys that I didn't necessarily think were going to end up leaving. Uh, there's a lot of NBA guys that think they're both have a chance to be, you know, first round picks. I'm not convinced that they're going to be, but I, I think that, you know, again, if you're going to capitalize on, on what you've kind of done at the, uh, the college level now, it's a good time for them to leave then. And, and a program close here to Louisville where we do this show. Indiana it struggled the last two seasons really able to sneak their way in the NCAA tournament. Uh, bringing in Thomas Bryant, who's one of my, I think, one of the most underrated players in the 2015 class. I don't know if you can say that about a McDonald's All-American, but not a lot of people talk to him in comparison to some of the other guys. He'll be going uh, to Indiana to be a Hoosier. But a big decision still left for James Blackman Jr. Also, Yogi Farrell, who has set a date on when he's going to announce at a Ruth Chris of all places, which is kind of strange to make that announcement at that at that place. Are you hearing anything about Yogi, and do you expect uh, him to come back? And uh, how good could Indiana be if all these guys do return? The last I heard was that Yogi was leaning towards leaving, but that was a couple weeks ago, and. You know, I haven't heard, really heard much since. Uh, I think that he's probably 
up in the air. Um, and I think that he's like the reason that they're announcing on the 25th is that they're trying to decide whether or not, uh, he's actually going to end up leaving. Um, if he comes back, you know, I, I don't think James Wyken leaves. I don't think that he is an NBA player at this point. Uh, maybe down the road, I think he's got to add a little bit more to his game. Um, but I think if Yogi Ferrell does return, you're looking at, if they get Yogi Ferrell and Blackman back, I think you're looking at a situation where Indiana is going to be a top 15-ish team heading into the season. Because, you know, the biggest thing that they were missing the last couple of years was that big presence down inside that could block some shots, that could get some rebounds, that could even, you know, balance out the floor a little bit and give you a little bit of low post scoring. And I think that Thomas Bryant will be able to do some of that. I don't think that he is, you know, he's not going to be the, the second coming of Cody Zeller. You know, he's not a guy like that. I, I don't even know if he's really going to be someone that's a, that much better than, you know, what Hannah Perea is going to end up being, but he's another body, which is the most important thing. So if they can, you know, if they can rotate Perea and Brian for 20 minutes apiece, then I think that that is even better than, you know, than, than the situation they had this year. So I, I think that they're probably around the top 15 mark. Without Yogi Farrell, I don't know if they are an NCAA tournament team. I think that's how important Farrell is for them, given his ability to kind of, you know, break people down off the dribble and score in one-on-one situations. So I think that it all comes down to whether or not they keep Farrell back. And I, uh, I agree. like I said, it's very much in the air. I, I, I agree that their success really depends on him because, like you mentioned, they've had so much, uh, such a hole for a big guy uh, and some help down low. Finally, maybe they address that need, but if they lose Yogi, then that hole's just going to move to the point guard position. Uh, last question before we let you head out of here, Rob. Uh, Captain Arctic tweets into the show. He wants to know who your top five is and the top conference for 2016. Oh, top conference. I'm going to go with, uh, with the ACC again. I think that once again, they're going to be very top heavy. Um, for me, the top five could end up including, I guess, maybe probably two teams at least, uh, from the ACC. I think right now, if I had to, you know, gun to head, I think I would go North Carolina number one. Um, Iowa State, number two, depending on whether or not they get Sheck Diallo. I think they have a pretty good shot at getting him still. Uh, number three, I'd go Maryland. Number four, I'd go Kentucky, simply because I don't know who else they're going to get. I think Skull's going to end up being you know, a, a superstar next season, and I really love the backcourt of uh, Isaiah Briscoe and Charles Matthews. Um, I'm sorry, Isaiah Briscoe and Tyler Eulis. I don't know if they're going to have enough depth in their backcourt. I don't know what Alex Poitras is going to end up being. I don't know just how good Marcus Lee is going to end up being when he gets more playing time, but I think that you can kind of trust that Calipari is going to be adding more pieces uh, to that puzzle. And then fifth, I think at this point I would have to go Virginia. Uh, I probably would have had the number one in the country if Justin Anderson had returned. Without Justin Anderson, we saw how big their offensive issues were last year. I think that what you're going to see this season is they got a kid named Mariel Shayak, who's going to be a sophomore next year, who can really score. Uh, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be the defensive player that Justin Anderson was, but you know, when you're Virginia, you, you don't necessarily need you know another great defender. You need a guy that can fit in your defensive scheme and someone that's going to be able to open things up for you a little bit offensively. It'll be interesting to see how next year all shakes out. I, I think it might be a little bit more balanced where last year you had uh, – teams maybe three or four teams that were just significantly better than everybody else didn't make for march madness to be as unpredictable as it generally can i know i said last question but i lied give us a uh, tottenham hotspur spur update 
uh, just to make Trevor mad? Oh, they're uh, you know they're not doing all that well, man. They, well, they're not going to make the Champions League, and they've kind of mailed it in. And now their manager is playing all these young guys who aren't any good, and he's trying to they want to sell a bunch of guys after the year. So it's just it's uh, it's gotten kind of ugly, man. You know, it's a sensitive subject. I wish you didn't bring it up. I was crying about it earlier. Is DeAndre Yeldon getting any play? Yeah, he did. He played the other day. He uh, he played 20 minutes and really didn't do anything all that impressive. But, uh, you know, he's playing. He got in that lineup. That's exciting. At least you've got an American there doing some stuff. I know. I know, right? One thing to root for. Exactly. All right, Rob. Well, I hope Tottenham, uh, if not this season, maybe maybe better luck next year. Thanks so much for hopping on and joining us, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day doing your taxes. <laughs> yeah, I will, man. Trust me. Later. Thank you. Uh, that's Rob Doster, NBC Sports. Always fun to talk with him. I kind of felt like I sent him out being kind of a jerk, uh, bringing up a sore spot with his favorite soccer club. Not doing too well. And maybe I did, or maybe I didn't know that. Uh, but I kind of wanted a, an update. We're going to talk more soccer on this sto- on this show, whether you guys like it or not. I'm amazed he came on. He told me at one time I had him on. I don't remember when it was, and Tottenham lost the game while he was on the radio show with me. And he told me after that he goes, "Look at their schedule. If they play, don't call me." And <laughs> I, I didn't even think to look at their schedule when when, you, when I texted him earlier today. After I woke up, I didn't even think about looking at their schedule to see if they were playing. So uh, I guess we got lucky that he uh, he'd given up on the season, or at least to this point, given up on today's game. I don't think they're playing right now. Oh, they just played earlier, I guess. I don't even know if they played earlier. I just I I just was wondering how they were doing to begin with. I thought there was a soccer match going on right now, though. I couldn't sure. He asked yeah. me if I was watching it when I called him uh, to get on the line. So I oh. assumed that maybe it was it was the hot spur. I wasn't sure. Maybe they are. I don't think they are, but maybe maybe they are. Maybe somebody else. Uh, I told him I can't turn the TV on during radio shows. I just I, I don't have that kind of capacity in my brain. I can't do two things at once like that. Yeah. Well, that that doesn't really surprise me. Okay, uh, we're gonna Thanks. digest everything that Rob Toster had to say. We're gonna take a commercial break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some of that stuff. Some of that stuff I agreed with them. Some of it. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily. I think also maybe some breaking news. I think Justice Winslow officially declared for the draft. Maybe, maybe did, maybe didn't. I don't know if I if I read that. Correctly. I thought he did that officially uh, during the Final Four after he had the game. Did he? Not not officially, but I did see a tweet. Goodman tweeted out that oh. it was official. Duke released a statement already. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think we all kind of knew that he was going to do that anyways. Okay, we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be right back here. 1450 The Sports Buzz, WXVW. Stick around. Welcome back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And she has three kids, and one of her kids has a kid. Did you say that she she has three kids 
One of whom has a kid? Yeah. So, so she's a grandma? No. I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but she's a Grandma. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever, you know. She's the hottest grandma I ever saw. That, yeah, that, she is. She's that's a hot a grandma. Good-looking grandma. My grandma looks like Jack Palance. Steve Carell has great date grandmas in TV shows and movies. In The Office, he dates. Pam's mother. Do you remember that episode, Trevor? Or is that before you gave up? No, that is uh, one of the. Uh, he hooks up with her at Pam and Jim's wedding. I remember she gives him like an apricot piece of candy or something. And then he, yeah. said, he goes, you're, you're an old lady. Don't usually I'll have food in your purse. And she quickly kind of gets offended, but then realizes that she really does. Yeah. Uh, have, she has candy or food, a snack. Uh, and her name, her name in, the, in the show is uh, Helene Beasley which is Pam's mom. And then in one of the episodes, uh, he finds out that Pam's mom, I think, turns, I should know this, being, I, I like to claim to be the, the biggest Office fan in the world, um, so I should know the answer to this. But they go to a birthday dinner for her, and he, he thinks that she's one age, but she ends up being like 61 or 62 or something like that. Did, did, now, he only dated her after the because after the the Niagara Falls episode, the double episode of the marriage, he only he was only with her for about three or four episodes, I think. After that, and they break up kind of quick after they hooked up. Well, it, it's yeah, I think you're right. Um, but Pam gets really upset that <laughs> yeah, he's they, dating. They start dating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so which is which is good, and then finally she comes to peace with it and realizes how much Michael cares about her and all that good stuff, and then they go to dinner. Uh, for her birthday, and she he breaks up with her at the dinner in front of both Jim and Pam. <laughs> That's what I do remember. One of my favorite Michael Scott goofy moments is when he burned his foot stepping on the uh, the George Foreman grill because he likes to have smell uh, cooking bacon when he wakes up. Yeah, that's uh, there's just too many of them. So when you played uh, that clip. It made me think of that Office episode. I love um, him in Forty O Virgins. One of those movies I think I could watch probably once a day, once a day, and and not not laugh any less than I did the day before. Yeah, for me, it's not movies that I could literally watch every day because I don't know if there is a movie that I could literally watch every single day and be okay with it. But there are movies where if it's on TV, then I saw I have to stop and watch it. Forty-year-old virgin is right there for me. I usually probably do something else really good has to be on to get me to not watch it. Wedding Crasher is that's the one I'll watch every time it's on. Wedding Crasher and probably Dumb and Dumber. Those are the two for me. But what, Wedding Crashers is good. Dumb and I saw Dumb and Dumber like four times in the theaters, all at Oxmoor Mall. So I, I, it ranks up there too, but. I don't know. Forty Virgin is just better to me. I don't know something about just every scene in that movie and some of the most subtle scenes just make me laugh so much. Yeah, I I agree. It's great. It's great. Uh, <clears throat> so we we touched on a little bit with Rob Doster, and I kind of want to just mention it before the break. Uh, India, you know, Kentucky season looks like you don't really know what's gonna what to expect. I think it's kind of crazy that people are putting UK in the top five for next season just because you don't know. 
And I guess what people are doing, and, and you know, Rob's smart, and I understand why people are doing it because you've got to make a decision. You've got to either put them in there or you don't, and you don't want to look dumb come a year, which who cares if you're wrong in a year, uh, seven months before a season starts. But right now it's crazy because you just don't know who's going who's gonna to be there, and I'll hold that thought. Uh, we have a phone call from Captain Arctic who's staying away from Twitter for the time being to call into the show. Scott, how are you? No, I'm good, PJ. How are you? Oh, doing okay. Allergies still kind of really getting to me, but I'm able to man up for this hour and a half and wait, do a little radio, wait, wait, so who, doing all right. Who's Scott? Well, who, I don't know who Scott Is that his real name? Uh, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's my given name, Trevor. So, uh, so there you go. <laughs> you learn something every day, Trevor. I all figured right. it was Captain. That's right. <laughs> what, what's what's happening, <laughs> So I'm getting I'm getting kind of impatient, frustrated with these uh, these two 2015 guys, and, and you know I was just thinking about this and wanted to get your your take. If I knew that we were going to clean up in 2016, I would be very okay having a, a starting five of of Ulysses, Briscoe, Scal, Lee, and Poitras, and having like you know Willis and Hawkins come off the bench with whoever else we're able to get, but. I think it would be an interesting change of what we've been through the last two years. I mean, albeit, albeit very good, good things. But you know what? This may not be so bad when you look at uh, the players that we have and the mix of guys that could develop over a season. I think it'd be kind of fun. So what you're saying is take what what we can get this year, and if that ends up being what we have right now, what UK, what you see is what you get. And letting those guys maybe develop a little bit, hoping that the majority of them comes back. Maybe you lose Briscoe, maybe you lose Labissier, uh, but you have the notion that the 2016 recruiting class is going to be number one in the country, absolutely loaded with talent. And then you just run the table, hopefully, uh, as the you know predominantly the number one team in the country for the majority of 2016. You're saying you take that in a heartbeat if given the chance. Yeah, I would because I um, I think. Uh, I, I think that the the like you said, there's a ton of talent in in 2016, and and uh, this particular group, you know, guys like guys like um, uh, like Lee, you know, we, we don't know much about him in terms of, of of his offense. It doesn't look good, we know that, but I think the guy's got a lot of potential. And with more minutes and work, you never know. And um, maybe we add this kid from Charlotte, and uh, you know, certainly not going to be close anything close to what we've had over the last couple of years, but I think, I think we're getting to a, a dangerous area where we're expecting to have this, um, you know, this unbelievable class every year in this, in, in this, this great run to the, the final four. I, I hate to say it. I think we really blew it this year in terms of, of, of closing the deal. I think we all know that. And next year could be, could be kind of rough, but if we're well positioned for 2016, I think most of us can deal with it. Uh, and uh, we need to head to break here in a second. Captain Arctic, thanks for the phone call. A lot of good points. I'm going gonna, I'm going to get to all of them. So we're going to take a commercial break here on 1450, the Sports Bells. I'll come back uh, and touch on some of those points. Uh, Kentucky probably kind of did blow it. Uh, that you know, Again, the expectations at UK are so crazy that a national championship is kind of thought to be the, the standard every year. But UK did miss out on that this year. So I'm going to touch on some of those points. And, again, thanks for the call. Anybody can call in 502-384-1450. We'll be right back after this commercial break. 
You're listening to The Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. Everybody in the car, Bolt leads in two minutes. Or perhaps you don't want to see the second largest ball of twine on the face of the earth, which is only four short hours away. Song, song of the south, sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Gone, gone with the wind, there ain't nobody looking back again. Trevor, I, I love the intros. Uh, they're fantastic. They put me in a good mood, and they're almost making me forget the terrible music you're sending me out on. What is going on over there? Oh, hold on now. You've got to be nicer than that. If you, in case you haven't noticed the news today, the outro music has all been in honor of the now-past Percy Sledge, who passed away today. Okay, uh, okay. And, and no a man who helped me out in many of situations with the ladies in romantic times when you know need something to get them in the mood. I figured uh, okay. I'd give him a little nod with a few outro songs today. Again, no disrespect <laughs> and rest in peace, but uh, have your own little tributes on your own time, Trevor. Well, come on, I, you you can't you can't give up two songs. Now the first song was uh, wasn't Percy Sledge only because I hadn't noticed he passed until I got on Twitter after I had picked that song. But uh, the last two songs were in his honor. You you can't give him a little love. I mean, you can't give up two songs out of one day of your of your whole summer. Uh, preferably not, no. Or were you complaining about the little uh, the song at the end of that great clip I played? One of my favorite under the radar clips from National Lampoons, by the way. No, I I, I enjoy it. Like I said, the intro is fine. That I I'm fine with that. You just don't. You got you got a problem with Percy Sledge? What, what what's what's TJ? Here's the question. Let's do. Let's ask TJ Tuesday. What what's what is the song that TJ goes to? In the repertoire when he's trying to get the uh, the missus in the mood. What's the uh, go-to make baby making music that you go to in, in, in well, the new house? I can guarantee that it we are not. <laughs> the, the, there won't be any further conversation on this. Two, if you have to play music to get somebody in the mood, then it's uh, probably not somebody you want to get in the mood. Beggars uh, hey, can't be such, choosers in my case. That's <laughs> such a seventies like eighties school of thought. Is that like, hey, if you play cool music. Uh, maybe a girl will like me. Come on, Trevor. Listen, listen. First of all, it's my board. As Yates just takes <laughs> me in, don't don't let him bully you, Trevor. He said it's your board. You play what you want, and that's right. As as uh, Adam Sandler once said in a clip, I'm sure I'll use eventually in one day for an open. It's my microphone, and you will listen every day more to I have to say or music I have to play. Uh, and, and and it's not a '70s '80s. You can go '90s. I mean, every every there's a different style of music for the generation that you are. But you can't tell me you've never wanted to get a romantic mood going, a little candlelight, and you don't play some a particular artist or a particular song. I mean, I know you're a smooth pimp like that, TJ. But you've oh still, even God. you have to have to fall back on a backup plan at some point. Even a great trapeze artist, you even sometimes use a net. We have derailed officially. <laughs> 
Clavy116 says that uh, don't bash Trevor and his music. I'm loving his tributes. I knew right away why he was playing those songs. Keep it going, Trevor. Uh, unfortunately, we only have one one natural left, and it's a, it's a locked into the nappy roots. So that's all the Woo! Percy Sledge we have left. Good. And, uh, unless he passes away again tomorrow, none of that again. Hey, the man with the be- the greatest gap gap tube smile since uh, before even before Michael Strahan, Percy Sledge. R.I.P. Buddy. All right, so I need to address, uh, touch on some of the things that Captain Arctic phoned in about, and I'm happy that he did. Uh, would like for anybody that wants to call in to feel free to do it. Okay, he called last season uh, a bit of a failure. Again, I wouldn't go that far. It didn't end in a national title, so it certainly ended in disappointment. Failure is a strong word uh, to use, but I understand what he's saying. Here's my biggest fear if you're a Kentucky fan, and this is the thing I think people need to watch out for, and it's what I'm feeling with Aaron Rodgers, to be honest. Uh, so, you know, I've kind of I, – I know where this maybe could be heading, hopefully not heading, but certainly the, the script that could be there. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, playing for Green Bay, uh, starting really for since 2008, certainly in the conversation with some of the best Packer quarterbacks of all time, if not the best, which makes him one of the better quarterbacks of all time. Here's what I'm worried about, Trevor, is Aaron Rodgers now is 31 years old, and John Calipari is now, I think he's 56. They're running out of time. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has one title. John Calipari has one title. I think it'll be a complete shame to his legacy if John Calipari leaves UK with just one title, knowing how successful he was at UK, all the great things he accomplished, all the unbelievable things that he did, and then to walk away with just one title potentially. And I think last year was the year where you would have thought, okay, well, at least he'll have two. And if he can have two, then his legacy is really set as an unbelievable coach. Not a lot of coaches win two national championships. He'll get his second one, and then anything left after that, you're playing with house money. Well, he didn't get his second one. And now you got to start wondering – Going into year seven at UK, when does he get it? Because if he couldn't do it last year, when is he going to do it? And I still think he will eventually. I don't know. I don't know when. I think he'll be around UK for at least another five years. But it's kind of the same feeling with Aaron Rodgers. It's just he's so good, and he's he's been so much fun to watch, and so done unbelievable things for Green Bay and the team he represents, just like John Calipari has done with Kentucky. But you're sitting back wondering, are they ever going to get that second championship? And if they don't, where does that where does that leave them in, in in the in the history books? In terms of Cal, I I agree with you. If he was to leave tomorrow or leave after the next year without a championship and and was leave Kentucky despite all his great success, and you, I know my Kentucky fan friends call me a hater because I'm a little fan for saying this, but I think yeah, I mean when you look back at it, if he only has one title and his say a six or seven year tenure at Kentucky with all the talent and all the the minor success underneath that that he had the one title is, does seem I don't I think failure is a strong word but it does seem under under uh, not filling it doesn't feel like you've accomplished enough now with Aaron Rodgers I disagree with that I mean one he's thirty you said he's thirty one so he's probably got a good six or seven seasons left in him you can play the thirty seven thirty eight at a high level quarterback that's not out of the question especially someone as good as Aaron Rodgers as we've seen in the past but Brett Favre only had one title. And I mean, in fact, he only went to two Super Bowls back to back, and no one ever really talks about him. I think 
getting just one Super Bowl is okay, despite how successful your career is, because they're so so damn hard to get. I mean, not the the very few quarterbacks can say they have more than one, even the greatest, let alone I mean, even having two, if not even one. But it puts you in this upper echelon of quarterbacks and what you're, what you're able to come. I mean, you know, imagine Brett Favre with all his individual accomplishments and, and, you know, how much personality he had and how, you know, controversial of a texter he was with Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings. But then you're talking about the best all time, the best in the history of football. And Brett Favre was, a, I think, a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I think he's a, if you could build a team about one or two of those guys, I think the majority of people would take Brett Favre. I could be wrong about that. I can Tom, I can accept it, but I would disagree. But Tom Brady's got the rings, and that's what it comes down to. We're not gonna, you know, I was just comparing for me that I have thought about this before with John Calipari because I think about it a lot with Aaron Rodgers. That you you need that second title when the when the iron's hot. You know, you, this is this is happening now for Kentucky basketball. Listen, I, and I've been I've been told I'm wrong about this, and I may be because I don't I don't speak to Cal on a regular basis. But and I may read too much into his bitterness and the rivalry that is Rick Pitino and himself. But I think that is one reason I don't think Kentucky fans should be worried of him leaving. I don't think he wants to leave until he's at least on the same level as Pitino in terms of championships. He wants a second one. He doesn't want to fall into that trivia category of the guy who has one, like Raleigh Massimino or you know uh, Steve Fisher. I mean, he he wants to be out of that shadow of the. Uh, the guy that had just maybe one lucky title. And, and I think he wants to have two, and he wants to at least be able to match, if not go exceeding past Patino before he goes back to the pros, which I think is inevitable. He will eventually go back to the pros. I don't know if he will or if he won't. I, I think if he could win another title or win a few titles, then he'd feel a lot better about it because he'd just, again, at, at that point, like I've said before, he'd be playing with house money. Uh, and speaking of Rick Patino, Captain Arctic wants to know, would you call Patino's time at Louisville a failure if he only finishes with one championship? My, I, I would say no, but I'll let you answer that. Uh, I, I'm going to say – I don't want to say yes, and I don't want to really say no. It's such a tough question because he – Patino had so many hiccups when he first got here because of the many lost recruits. It's almost as if the first four or five years with a mix of the garbage that he did inherit, no disrespect to you know the, the last classes of Denny Crum, but – it was kind of a mess, and, and that mixed with the fact he had trouble rebuilding right away. If he was to be here for 20 years, and it's going very close to that in a few years, and it ends up being one title, yeah, I would say it's underneath the uh, expectations I definitely had. I'm not saying I was crazy like everyone else, saying oh, we're going to get three, four, five LeBron James-like championships, but I would like to at least have a second ring, yes, I would. And again, you know, it's kind of a similar situation there as well. My only thing, if Rick Pitino didn't have his run that he's had lately with a Final Four national championship, a Sweet 16 that could have resulted in another national championship, if he didn't have that little run, uh, the one that, you know, in the Elite Eight this year that I'm completely forgetting about because. I don't know. I'm scatterbrained or something. Um, if it's not for this little run, I would say, yeah, it probably would be a failure. But now Louisville basketball is in the conversation. Uh, they're sitting at the table with the big boys. So I, I think that in itself for Louisville fans should maybe not necessarily be enough, but I think it's enough to to not say that his time at Louisville would be a failure. Because I think, I think Cal's is because of the amount of talent he's produced. When you look at in, in, in just the six years he's been here, 
I mean, how many number one draft, how many first round draft picks has Kentucky produced since 2010? What, 16? So, I mean, I'm over exaggerating maybe, but probably not far off. That's, quite a few. yeah, that's one of the reasons why. I mean, I know one of the knocks, and it's maybe not appropriate to knock on somebody who just passed away last year, but one of the knocks on a guy like a Dean Smith was that, you know, he, you know, a great coach, had produced tons of talent. I mean, he had two titles. And literally, if you look back at it, both titles were kind of handed to him. And I'm not, I'm being literal. I mean, between the timeout and, Freddie Jackson just giving the ball right to James Worley after the Michael Jordan shot. Well, and this is kind of bringing this back to Captain Arctic's other points that I kind of wanted to touch on. And this also goes with Aaron Rodgers, too. But it just shows you how hard it is to win a championship in yeah. sports, whether it's Louisville, whether it's UK, whether it's Green Bay, and regardless of the sport. Uh, it is really, really, really tough to enter a tournament, especially a tournament consisting of 68 teams, and finding yourself – the last team standing. Uh, a, a lot of the best teams in college basketball don't win the tournament. Last year, Kentucky was probably the best team in college basketball. They didn't win the tournament. It's tough. And, it, it, and at the end of the day, though, at UK, you're judged on championships. And right now, John Calipari has just won. So he still has work left to do. But I think that also drives him a little bit. I, I, I still think he's driven and motivated by this knock against him as a coach because he doesn't have as many rings as some of the other guys. And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't need to explain it, but you know how much sleep he probably lost over that loss to UConn. Uh, He's which one or or Wisconsin, Wisconsin was the team I was thinking of, but I guess I've got UConn on the brain because they've been in UK season so many times the last few years, but UConn and Wisconsin, I I still think he's got that drive left And, and, the scary point will be once he maybe loses that drive, if it gets to a point where he's not fully committed to, you know, it, it, this is another office quote, but I'm not, it, well, uh, office quote that came to mind, but, you know, he doesn't want to just win anymore. Now he kind of wants to bury his critics. As long as he's still got that fire, Kentucky's going to be competitive. Do Kentucky and fans I, ever, I don't want to say the word turn on, that, that's too harsh, but, and it's kind of, I don't think even when he's getting the amount of recruits and the success between around the national championships, it's kind of an unfair comparison. But at what point, maybe down the road without another title, do Kentucky fans start looking at Calipari the way they looked at Tubby Smith? I mean, after. No, never. I, I never, mean, it's, it's, a, never, it's, it's very never, hard to say, but never, five never. years down the road, no, no more national titles. Do Kentucky fans start to feel that way? Nope. No? Nope, uh, unless those five years include first round or second round tournament losses, <laughs> scoring 40 points in games, recruiting, going to the outhouse, all that. As long as Cal is still, if he's competing like he is right now, he will never be in the same breath as Tubby Smith, except for when you uh, utter it. Well, that's why the success around the national titles are clearly different, but. I mean, Tubby won a national title his first year, and it took a few years down the road. But I mean, that that title gets forgotten forgotten very quickly in oh, the I'm minds not, of, of fans. That then they realize it's all about the now. It's as, as Wayne Garth Wayne and Garth once said, "Live in the now, Wayne." Trevor, listen to what we're talking about right now. We're talking about John Calipari <laughs> possibly his legacy being a bit diminished because he's only got one title. So if that title was same- three years ago. On top of it, it wasn't like it was a decade ago. <laughs> Exactly. So in three years, if he doesn't have another one, we're still going to be talking about it. But what do you, you know, he's going to Final Fours and he's uh, having undefeated seasons. You turn on SportsCenter and they're being mentioned any time of the year, but especially during the season. So many of my Louisville friends got sick of hearing about Kentucky this season. And this isn't the only year that they've been the talk of, of sports television and even radio. Uh, Kentucky fans love that stuff. 
So even though you're judged with titles, it's still it's still fun to be a Kentucky fan right now. So yeah, but as I've said before, as an Eagles fan, it's 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 fun to get there. But after eventually, you don't want to. You know, you don't want. You know, I don't want to use my my woman coming home from the bar comparison again because this is a family show. But you get what I'm saying. Eventually, you want you don't want to keep looking at the cake. You want to eat it. I agree. I agree. But I, I think to an extent, Kentucky fans are at least getting a taste. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, maybe at least, they're at least taking a little finger of icing off of it. Is what you're telling exactly. me? <laughs> exactly. But you're you're. I mean, you're you're right. But it it's never going to be like a Tubby Smith situation unless things start heading. Very, very south, and 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 Mr. Hilbert texting the show, wondering what the chances are UK misses on all five recruits uh, for next season. I, you know, probably more than five. You've got Jalen Brown, you've got Check Diallo, you've got Brandon Ingram, you've got Thon Maker, you've got Malik Newman, you've got Steven Zimmerman. So I guess it's six. I don't know which one he's counting off. Uh, I don't think Jalen Brown will go to Kentucky. I don't think Check Diallo will go to Kentucky. I don't, and that's pretty much the only two I don't feel. Semi, not confident about, but I, I think there's not a good chance they end up at UK. What odds do you put on Zimmerman? I read an article over the weekend that said it was, I mean, granted, they said the, the Caleb kid was the lock for Cal and he ended up going to Michigan State, but I, I don't. I think it was a 247 article I read that said that he was almost a done deal to sign at UNLV. And, oh boy, I'm glad you brought that up. I wrote a story on Cats Illustrated about that, and you can read it, uh, but I'll share with you all some of that, you know, the few listeners listening out there. I, so, Steven Zimmerman's mother and I, you know, I've been covering, I guess, Steven Zimmerman for about two years now. So we've got a solid relationship. We text back and forth from time to time. Uh, when we're at events, we'll say hi to one another. So I, I texted her about that. I said, well, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just read you all my text messages. I said, so should we be buying into those sources? And she said, I quit, I quit reading Twitter, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, and she's pretty prevalent on Twitter. She will interact with fans. I think it's actually kind of cool to see. Uh, and I said, well, a guy at 24-7 says sources say that he'll end up at UNLV in a few days. Uh, and she said, wow, I guess they know more. Uh, they have better sources than I do at this point, which I, I thought was funny. Uh, and then she kind of went on, and I won't share this part, but she wasn't very happy that there's, that there's these national guys out there that are trying to jump the gun so much uh, that they they would ruin, you know, possibly end up ruining a moment, even if he were to go to UNLV. But uh, we, you know, later texted on said that nothing has happened. Uh, he hasn't committed anywhere. Don't buy into the UNLV stuff at this point. And he could very well end up at UNLV. But what I've gotten from that conversation is that he is not at peace with whatever decision he's made. He's not going to have any more in-home visits. He's asked coaches not to contact him because he wants to think about it and reflect. And Honestly, you could read into that if you wanted to and go, oh, maybe he is set on UNLV and is kind of over the process. If you wanted to read into it that way, you probably could. And I'm not saying he's not going to go to UNLV. I just don't think it's official yet because it's not official yet. I think UK is still very much in the picture. I think he's going to have, a if he decides to say no to UK, I think he's going to have a really, really, really hard time saying no. They've, he's got a great relationship with UK's coaching staff. So if you were going to put together a pecking order right now in your own opinion of Steven Zimmerman's future, you would put Kentucky at number one or UNLV at number one? I'd probably have them both at number one. And, and going on to that point about he's going to have a really tough time saying no to UK's coaches, maybe that's why you cancel the in-home visit. Eh? I mean, I, if you want to read into him leaning UNLV, there's enough reasons to get you leaning. 
Uh, again, I'm not ready to say it's a done deal yet because I, I do think he has a better relationship with John Calipari and UK's coaching staff than anybody else. Uh, don't sleep on Brandon Ingram. I think if UK kind of misses on some of these other guys, uh, he's going to see a chance to go be a star, an offensive star, where he could put up a lot of points. Here's the thing, and this is going back to what Captain Arctic said about, you know, just kind of if UK is just has the three commits that they have next year, maybe with Mike Thorne, uh, Marcus Lee returning, Dominique Hawkins. There's a chance for this to kind of be like the 2012 UK team, a very poor man's U- 2012 UK team, where UK fans can kind of fall in love with this scrappy, uh, hardworking, everybody brings a little something different to the table, but it doesn't go 10 deep like last year's team type of team. I think it could be a very likable UK team because you've got I- Isaiah Briscoe, who's probably the the cockiest player in college basketball next year. You're going to have Charles Matthews, who uh, says has told me several times if he gets scored on, he personally feels embarrassed, so he puts that much pride in the defense. You have Scalabissier, who's projected to be the number one pick in the 2016 draft. Uh, you've got Tyler Ulis, who I don't need to explain you all about. You're going to have a really fun group of guys to watch next year. Now, is it going to be as talented or as deep as last year's team? No. So I think UK set up to be just fine for next year regardless of adding any anybody but i do think that they're in a good spot with brandon ingram i think you're they're in a solid spot with steven zimmerman i think mike thorne will come to kentucky if they do miss out on zimmerman uh that, that's the grad transfer from charlotte i think malik newman is very intrigued by uk i think he's got to decide whether or not he wants to compete for a title or just kind of be the guy somewhere else i think that's the, the decision for him go really chase a title or get your own big numbers and, and maybe enjoy the tournament, but not really get to enjoy the, the depths of the tournament. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I don't think they miss on everybody. I still think they add at least one or two more. But we'll have to see. Time will tell. How many spots does Kentucky have open for next year? I mean, you're better at math than I am. They Well, they, they lost seven scholarships. Um, Plus what? One was Sam Malone. He went on scholarship, wasn't he? No, the walk-ons weren't on scholarship. But so, they count as roster spots. So you, you can only have, what, what, 15 players every two years, something like that, in it, what the rule is? I don't know. You know, you get, what, 13 scholarships. So I, it doesn't matter about roster spots. The, the, they can bring, they're, they're fine. Unless everybody that they're still in on, Brown, Diallo, Ingram, Maker, Newman, Thorne, and Zimmerman, decided to go to Kentucky, they're fine. And that's not going to happen anyways. So they're going to be okay. Oh, and we're going to monitor it, but uh, it, there was Jerry Meyer, 24-7, who kind of reported that news that UNLV could be closing in on Zimmerman. Uh, he also said that, he said that three other prospects could end up playing overseas, Diallo, uh, Newman, Jalen Brown. That's not going to happen, guys. Quit. I'd be shocked if one guy went to – I wouldn't be shocked if one guy – if one guy went to play overseas – Okay, if it's more than one, I'd be shocked. And I can tell you this, there will not be – I don't think there will be anybody going overseas unless grades don't add up. That's That's the only reason any of them have gone overseas. Brandon Jennings and Emmanuel Moutier only went overseas because of academic reasons. You're right. You're right. And, And I'm not saying some of these guys maybe don't have some great issues. I don't really know. I think they're all okay. As far as I'm concerned, as far as what I've been told, they're all going to be fine. But they, Jerry Meyer, he's not alone. There's a lot of other people acting like overseas is now this realistic possibility for everybody. 
it's it's still a possibility, but you're not going to see a lot of guys do it. Now, let's remember, though, and you might not remember this, but I vividly do, Kevin Garnett, who opened the floodgates of the high school or straight to the NBA, reopened it, I guess Moses Malone originally did in the 70s, but when he reopened it, he only did it because he didn't get the grades to get into Michigan. And that's the only kind of the reason he did it and his success you know, opened up the floodgate to let everyone else do it. So I, that's the only reason I do worry that right now while we're looking at the Europeans going to Europe over – Playing in college is an academic reason only. At what point does the floodgates maybe kind of open up and it does become a trend like it did in the high schoolers of the nineteen of the, of the mid-90s? We'll have to see. We'll talk more about that, some of the great issues, NBA. We'll These are things that, that keep me tomorrow. up at night, TJ. We'll talk about that tomorrow because I've been thinking about that a lot. And, and Captain Arctic also wondering who'd be better, Zimmerman or Thorne. Here's your teaser for tomorrow. We'll talk about that and plenty more. We're out of time. Thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back again. Four o'clock. It's fun to have normal times all week. So join us tomorrow, 1450 the Sports Buzz. We'll talk to you then. Take two to the dome. Ride from the bill to be G in my zone. Let me hear you say high time. Sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun fishing pole in my liquor. Cause people always trying to tell me how to run my life when they say I'm going wrong. And I swear I'm doing right. Come on. High time. Sitting by the river. Got my old shotgun fishing pole in my liquor. Say it's time to take the children where the grass is blue. Dude.